What kind of assets are there? Well, there's liquid assets, there's personal assets, there's goodwill assets, gold and silver assets, and there's smart assets. Well, that's us. And in the 21st century, now we've got crypto assets, and that's what this show is all about. First, we'll be joined by Kevin Sicknicki, co-founder of Ava Labs. Ava is a platform for new assets, markets, and decentralized applications that aim to tackle some of the tough problems in the financial ecosystem and decentralized ledger platforms today. Then we'll introduce you to Matthew Finlayson, head of product at Invictus Capital. They're a blockchain-based asset management business that he co-founded. And we're going to talk about Crypto20. That's the first tokenized crypto asset index fund launched in 2017. Hey, we don't mean to be pain in the assets, but that's who we are. After all, we're bad assets. And this is episode number 333 of the Bad Crypto Podcast. Episode number 333 of the Bad Crypto Podcast. Welcome. I'm Joel Com. That's Travis Wright. I'm Travis Wright. That's true. And this is episode 333. That's one half of the devil. Oh, so it's half a mark of a beast? It's true. Maybe times it by two, that would equal your evil number. And so we're, I guess we're just two and a half years away from uh, that episode. So keep waiting, guys. Maybe it'll fall on Halloween or something like that. Yeah, we'll have to do the whole show with a deep... That sounds like Batman now. <laughs> Episode 333, it's half the mark of the Now with even more evil. Hello, gang. Welcome to the show. Got a great one for you today. Two fantastic interviews as we talk about crypto assets. But first, we're going to give a shout out to our show sponsor, eToro. Talk about storing and trading your crypto assets. It's the smart trading platform. They're one of the largest trading platforms in the world. Over $1 trillion in trading volume on the platform per year. And now U.S. customers are flocking to the platform to use it because not only did they have low and transparent fees, but they've got a community of over 11 million other traders that are discussing trading charts, all things crypto, and Bad Crypto wants to give you $25 in Bitcoin what? for open. Yep, that's what I said. Did you not hear me? $25 in Bitcoin. For opening up a new eToro account that's for U.S. residents only, you got to find out how to do it. Go to badco.in forward slash eToro. And now let's get to some asset talk. Go looking at my assets. We love getting crypto OGs on the show, and it's hard to get any OGer. When you've got somebody that's been involved in cryptocurrency since 2010, he's a top crypto influencer. His name is Kevin Seknicki. He's co-founder and chief protocol architect at Avalabs. That makes him the CPA, different kind of CPA. He was a PhD candidate in computer science at Cornell. He's done research in distributed systems, cryptography, security, as well as economics at Cornell and places like Microsoft. He founded an AI company alongside a peer that did hyperparameter optimization. I don't even know what the hell that is, but he's with Avalabs now, avalabs.org. Kevin Sicknicki, welcome to Bad Crypto. Thank you guys for having me. 
Well, what the hell is hyperparameter optimization? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, so a lot of AI is all about really fitting a function to a bunch of data points and learning what the hell this data means. Uh, hyperparameter optimization is just another fancy way of saying, I have a bunch of data. Please figure out what this function that fits this data is. So I can uh, say, for example, things like, what is the optimal way to organize the shelves in my store to get the maximum exposure to my best-selling brands or, you know, best-selling items in the store? I see. I thought, you know, hyper-parameter optimization sounded like optimization that, you know, had ADD needed. <laughs> it's, just, it's, it's optimizing. It can't stop. Okay. Right, right, right. Exactly right. Exactly right. <laughs> nice, Mr. Joe Com. Always, always good to have... A nice little jokey joke. Good stuff. Um, so I'm curious, man. So you've been in this game for a long time, like since 2010. You've seen Bitcoin evolve over over the last nine years. So I think one of the biggest things right now, one of the biggest topics that we have been chatting about and some of the things that concern us and our audience the most is this new revelation that Google maybe has reached or has found the pathway to quantum superiority what are your thoughts? Because you you have you know PhD candidate in, in computing, you probably have greater insights on some of this than most. What are your thoughts on quantum computing and how it's going to impact the crypto space? Yeah, it's a great question. So, quantum supremacy is a, a bit of a loaded term. I would say it sounds way cooler than it actually is, but it has a it's still pretty cool. So, what it really has impact in is in various problems that require searching through a space uh, of many, many different possible options. So this turns out to be a great uh, uh, thing for problems in biology and chemistry, where, for example, you're trying to find out protein folding, uh, you know, trying to find new medicines for, for new types of, for, you know, old types of diseases and so on. Um, for crypto space, unfortunately, I will have to be the bearer of, uh, somewhat disappointing news, nothing quite interesting uh, for the crypto space. Crypto space, cryptography is really, uh, the types of algorithms here are not quite, uh, uh, you know, susceptible to any quantum attacks that we, or rather any computers that we currently uh, uh, have the latest quantum algorithms for. Uh, so we're still in safe hands for at least for the time being. We're still safe. Yeah, they were saying that maybe by 2022, that you know the the quantum computers might be able to start busting that two fifty six hash algorithm two fifty six SHA is that is that something that we need to be a, you know scared of or concerned about or do you think that you know over time Bitcoin has evolved every time there was an issue right and so Bitcoin keeps evolving I would assume Bitcoin is going to eventually become quantum resistant somehow uh, not quite so the the very interesting thing about the hash function in Bitcoin or rather I would say the very interesting about Satoshi's mind is that um, he was the kind of person where to him, a single hash function was not sufficient. He had to double hash it. That's how he, uh, how paranoid he was. He was like, well, if the first one is broken, you know, we'll, we'll do the second time and that, would, that should add extra security to it. Um, so uh, if we do break SHA with a quantum computer in the next few years, um, it will require a full change to the hashing algorithm that, that Bitcoin uses. Um, frankly, I don't quite see that happening anytime soon because I've heard, I mean, you know, I, I've had peripheral uh, you know, exposure to quantum stuff for years now, and we've always been years from cracking these types of algorithms. Uh, so it just seems to move the needle uh, uh, down the court further and further. So I think we're safe for the next few years, at least. 
Whew, close call there. We dodged the bullet with Google and their quantum supremacism. I mean, that's uh, and, and IBM took exception with uh, their statement saying that was just a specific piece of hardware created for one specific function, not a true computer that was able to crack that. Right. That's exactly right. Yes. A lot of these are custom made for very specific functions and uh, a true quantum computer. If we see one within the next 10 years, that will be quite revolutionary and we'll be able to easily implement all kinds of you know, algorithms or rather cracking algorithms through it, but uh, we're far from that technology. Mm, so like fake news, fake news, uh, quantum supremacy. I wouldn't call it, quite call it fake news, but uh, slightly, you know, exaggerated news. Maybe less relevant news, perhaps, right, is, right. is uh, you know, how to position it. Because you say something like that and it could be super scary. Oh, no, the sky is falling. They're going to crack the Bitcoin blockchain. No, that's no. That, that, yeah, and the yeah. prices right after that sort of have tanked. It's gone down. <laughs> since yeah. so, I wonder if that's had any impact. I don't. Uh, I'm not sure that it has had the impact. I think it's a combination of uh, various different uh, uh, internal political strifes within the Bitcoin community and people you know, selling off and uh, and so on. So I don't think it's related to that. I think Bitcoin is still strong in its position. Why do people got to come in and ruin everything? I mean, <laughs> exactly. Right. So Kevin, what, you know, let's talk about what is particularly fascinating to you right now in the space. I'm wondering what, uh, what has your eye? I think a lot about value propositions for these kinds of technologies. So Bitcoin did something amazing to money itself, to currencies. It, it provided us a way that we could build currencies that do not necessarily require the backing of a government and its military. It's a, it's a new way to build, you know, transfer of, uh, of, of value. But Bitcoin is limited in what it can possibly do. And while it does currencies to some extent well, um, it's limited in, 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 the, in what how expressive this value can really be. And I'm really interested in if we can move the needle towards transfer of much more, you know, exotic uh, types of value or even things that currently exist. Really what I mean is digitization of all sorts of assets that are currently either being traded, such as equities and futures and so on, but even more excitingly, things that are currently very illiquid or just not traded at all. I see no reason why, as uh, a world economy, we don't move to uh, a a place where everything is tradable. Anything that has representation as, as, you know, that has ownership can be traded freely on on peer-to-peer markets. Uh, That's really exciting to me. Now, that's that's really where sort of Ava Labs comes in, correct? Because you just mentioned the global financial markets are highly illiquid. And just a result of that or a symptom of that, you know, the U.S. Federal Reserve Printed almost a hundred billion dollars recently because they're the banks aren't aren't liquid. The, you know the the, the cash flow is not flowing right now, and so there's some challenges there. And so we have we're now in quantitative easing number four now. So that is a problem. And how uh, you know are, are are there solutions? And maybe what does the Ava platform do? And why is that radically efficient? And maybe different than what we're currently seeing out there with crypto uh, blockchain projects and platforms. Right. Great question. So I want to really, for example, uh, emphasize just how illiquid things are in a, in a sense. Uh, the Norwegian oil fund has about $1.3 trillion in assets. And 
that kind of money um, is incredibly hard to deploy. Even if you were to deploy it across all investable assets in the United States, that kind of money will single-handedly rise up the entire markets. And a lot of really smart people on Wall Street are being paid very large sums of money to solve this problem. Um, so markets, there, there is really just a few types of you know, things that we can really trade with high liquidity nowadays. Um, and what we really want to go after is things like insurance, for example. Insurance is an incredibly, uh, I would say, uh, uh, archaic model uh, because everything is just handled through very archaic paperwork. Uh, insurance contracts are not traded. They're just, you know, there's a, there's a few layers of reinsurance that happens. But otherwise, the margins for insurance companies are incredibly high, precisely because these markets are incredibly inefficient. Insurance markets today look like the airline industry of the 50s and 60s, uh, where airlines were making a whole lot more per ticket comparison to nowadays. And that's because uh, finding and searching for these uh, for, for airline tickets has become way, way cheaper, way more efficient, and you have way more options. So being able to create contracts that represent these sorts of, uh, uh, or rather to be, being able to create uh, digital contracts equivalents to these archaic contracts like insurance is a really uh, interesting venue for exploration uh, that allows things like the Norwegian Oil Fund to deploy all that kind of capital. And uh, what's sort of impossible to do with current platforms is that they are basically extra legal. This is a huge problem, extra legal in the sense that if I were to deploy a ERC-20 on Ethereum that represents some sort of uh, insurance contract, let's suppose crop insurance, I have no ability to define any sort of legal, you know, legal contracts with any of the entities that I'm participating in. It's just a sort of lowest common denominator, best effort service by the entire set of validators in, in Ethereum. And this is not really how you build uh, systems like this. Um, really, what we're envisioning is sort of a redesign of, of this ecosystem, where you have the ability to define your own networks within the larger network of decentralized uh, uh, applications or decentralized networks. And your own network, you have sort of full customizability um, uh, ability in it. You can fully hack it to your desired specification. You can set up uh, legal contracts with the entities that are that are managing your assets. Uh, you can establish covenants that describe where this asset can be traded and so on. Uh, so now it allows very clearly existing entities that do trade contracts in, in regulated environments to move to this new system where things are standardized, things are much more efficient, and yet they live within the legal framework that we currently know. You know, as you're talking about smart contracts, the, uh, what comes to mind is all the various ERC-20 projects and, and others that are built on smart contracts. And there's two different schools of thought here that they're all coins and that we don't need utility like this on blockchain. And then we have others that are like, there's going to be a million different tokens for all kinds of applications that are going to help uh, to, to make those systems work better. Where do you stand on that? So there is, it's definitely the case that there are a lot of coins, but I would say that it's, it's a, uh, reductive term to say that everything is a coin out there. Um, it is uh, lots of really great teams that are not us, plenty of others, very smart people are working really diligently to actually transfer value that we currently have in more archaic forms into ERC-20s. 
but the technology, the platform that that these sit on right now makes it really complicated. Uh, for example, from a legal perspective, it's just a, a whole lot of hurdles that you have to go through, and it actually might just not be technologically feasible since everybody has the ability to to manage these ERC twenties, and that's not really how you. Uh, uh, how you create things that are regulated and of, and of high value. So I, I see a world where, you know, really it's exciting to be able to create fractional ownership of basically everything. Um, and there is a need for that. Like I can create and I should be able to create fractional ownership of uh, some real estate or of an insurance product. Like, for example, crop insurance. This is a really exciting one that doesn't exist. Um, I can, for example, as a farmer, uh, create or rather pay a premium to a contract pool, um, which represents a large set of land um, and the payouts to this large set of uh, land. And now anybody can uh, come in and bid for ownership of this insurance uh, pool. Um, no, no, no such thing currently exists. Everything is opaque, uh, super slow, managed by paperwork. And this extends to more, much more than just insurance, even I mean, crop insurance, even titles, for example. And uh, there's a whole lot of other types of, uh, you know, assets that exist right now. They're just not tradable. So, you know, when people say, oh, there's going to be a lot, a lot of tokens. Yes. As long as these tokens really do represent things of value, then it's perfectly fine to have such a collection of tokens. But if you just say everybody comes in and creates their own currency, then there isn't really any value here. And this has kind of been the case up to now with these 2000 plus coins that we see they're really just undifferentiated, uh, you know, tokens that they have no value to the real world. They're just a bunch of marketing and memes behind them to try to create, uh, you know, some value around their network. But there is nothing differentiated about them, so they look identical to each other. Uh, so yes, those are the really valueless ones. But being able to create a large array of tokens that represent really valuable things, I think this is where we we need to move as an economy. Mm. So, you know, that's, that's very interesting. So tell us about the team then, you know, because a lot of times, you know, there's these companies that are building really cool stuff, but like maybe they don't have the, the, the chops, the development chops or the knowledge to be able to do that. Now, we, we've heard about your background and, and, and some of the things that you've done, but tell us a little bit about the rest of the team. Like what, what makes you guys the right people or you folks over there the right people to execute on this? Yeah, great question. So, um, so the, the, the three, the founding team, it's uh, composed of three members. So I introduced myself already as uh, the other two folks. Uh, one of them is Professor Amin Gunsir of Cornell. He has been, he actually created one of the very first proof of work uh, cryptocurrencies before even Satoshi. It wasn't quite Bitcoin. It was called Karma back in 2003. Uh, so he's been in the space for far long. Uh, he's also the creator of the uh, or writer of the um, uh, the uh, selfish mining paper, who, which is the second most cited paper besides uh, the Bitcoin white paper uh, in the space. And a uh, very influential person in the space, uh, you know, has I would say he has probably had an impact in almost every single interesting development in the crypto space, from smart contracts to uh, selfish mining, of course, to a lot of other things. And uh, the third person uh, co-founder of the company, uh, uh, Ted Yin, who's a, um, a fellow a PhD uh, a student uh, with me at Cornell, he is the author of uh, the Hot Stuff, or the first author of the Hot Stuff uh, 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 Consensus Protocol, which is currently used by Facebook Libra. Uh, so from a technical perspective, just the founding team is uh, fairly stacked. Uh, but we're also very pragmatic. So we really care about building things that actually have real value. Uh, so while we are also sort of 
uh, crypto OGs to some extent, um, we have a healthy dose of skepticism and we really focus on things that have real value. And the rest of the team, of course, is just absolutely stacked. We have uh, some amazing hackers, uh, you know, guys that would, would blow an entire engineering team single-handedly uh, uh, by themselves. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's a fantastic team and uh, we're pragmatic in how we do. And, you know, I think we'll, we'll, we'll do something exciting. You've got a demo of your uh, your platform at avalabs.org, and I clicked it, and I kind of feel like I'm playing Minesweeper. Like, what am I <laughs> what am I looking at here? What is this? Ah, uh, that's a great one. Yes, yeah, so Ted actually made that one, and uh, it's actually a simulation, real simulation, uh, and actually implementation in the back end of one of the core primitives of uh, of the consensus protocol. So, at a very high level, what we actually build as part of our engine is something that has been developed internally and it's uh, what I'll call uh, uh, the third family of consensus protocols. Uh, there's really been three of them and this is the, the, the third groundbreaking one. Uh, the first two, uh, of course, the first one is Bitcoin, uh, which is goes by usually Nakamoto consensus. Uh, the second one is um, uh, what I'll call classical consensus protocols. Uh, these have existed since the 70s and 80s. Uh, they're voting based, so you vote uh, on on proposals, and uh, uh, it's really what the latest slew of uh, like sort of proof stake systems uh, are based on, like Tendermint, Cosmos, and so on. And then there's a third family, which is the Avalanche family, um, uh, which is a fundamentally new approach, and uh, it has this really interesting property. So let me give you only one thing that if you, if you were to take away with you, it should be this one: it scales independent of the network size. So it does not matter whether the network is 100 nodes or 1,000 nodes or 10 million nodes, the performance will be the same. So it's a really neat property to have if you want to build really de- decentralized uh, consensus protocols. Okay, I think you blew our minds sufficiently. Yeah, I, I, so I still feel like I'm playing Minesweeper. So this, it's called the Snow BFT demo, and you, you kind of randomize the square colors, and then I'm running this thing and the goal is to prevent them from going to a single color exactly right exactly right so you can try to as hard as you possibly can you can try to get the network to be uh, rather once the network goes let's say to orange you want to try to revert it to all blue you'll see it's really really hard to do that um and of course this is on sort of an easy setting to allow you to even get a chance to do it in real implementation Uh, it would be in hard setting. So this is very secure against super powerful Byzantine adversaries. So uh, that's that's sort of the game that this is simulating. It's simulating the ability of you as an adversary to get the network to flip to the other side, which really represents a double spend. So let's say that the color blue means Alice pays Bob. Can you, as the adversary, get the network to flip to all orange, which represents Alice pays, let's say, Charlie? The only way you guys are going to grasp this is if you go to the website, of course, in the show notes, you could find this. But also if you go to Avalabs, A-V-A-L-A-B-S dot O-R-G, and then just click the demo there on the front page. And you could be as confused as me easily. (laughs) Hopefully not. Hopefully not. That's great. So what's next for you guys over there? Uh, Lots of things. So we are actually uh, looking to, so so we're we're working hard towards the public test net. Uh, But before even that, we have this um, interesting uh, ability uh, that very few other blockchains, actually to my knowledge, no other blockchain has. But we have this really nice uh, ability to just fully hack the blockchain itself, which means that I can launch, for example, a sub-network within AVA, 
that is just a direct clone of Ethereum. It works the same exact way. It looks identical to Ethereum, except that it's way, way faster, way lower latencies, uh, way higher throughput. Or if I don't want that, I can maybe even make a direct clone of Bitcoin. And I can run both of them as either proof of stake only or proof of work as well. So it's fully customizable. You can define really anything that you want. And we have this already uh, sort of developed. And so what we're looking to do for the next immediate phase is to onboard some of these uh, networks uh, and just say, look, we have Bitcoin, we have Ethereum implemented internal within the Ava network, uh, running the consensus protocol that we have. It looks identical to you. You have the entire Bitcoin and Ethereum state, yet you're able to transact at thousands of transactions per second in a matter and confirm it in a matter of seconds. That's amazing. Great stuff. Indeed. All right, Kevin. Well, clearly you are um, above my pay grade, and uh, that's because I'm not getting paid anything really. But <laughs> we do appreciate you coming on and sharing what you're working on. And uh, what's Bitcoin going to be at December 31st, 2020? That's a great one. Um, we will have to discover. I think Bitcoin will uh, chug along as it currently is. It is a system that has been tried and true. I don't think it's going anywhere. Uh, but hopefully we do see some better technology coming along in, in the next immediate future. Great, great way to avoid the price prediction, too, by the way. I like that. <laughs> yeah, sidestepped I, it like a pro. That was a yeah. total good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I usually don't want to comment on prices. Yeah. Thanks, Kevin. We appreciate it. Oh, this was fantastic. Thank you guys so much. Mr. Travis Wright. This show attracts some super smart people, and I don't know why. Maybe it's because smart people like to be around people dumber themselves, and they know that if they come here, that's a shoe in You know, actually, people like to be around people smarter than them. That way, It's never good to be the smartest person in the room. You want to be around other people who are smarter, you know, so you can learn from them, right? It's never fun to be the smartest guy in the room, which is, yeah, which so is how you feel every day, Mr. Joel Kahn. I never feel like the smartest person in the room ever. I just, you know, especially in this industry, you know, when we started the show, we didn't know Jack. Now we know Jack, but we don't know much about him. And the people that we have on are always smarter than us. And uh, it's great because I'm always learning. Always learning. That's great stuff. And uh, somebody else who we recently met that was freaking awesome. We met we met Brandon, who is the CEO of MobiPay when we were at that event in Bali. and you know what? Their project is really cool. Now they're a sponsor of the show and money has existed seriously for thousands of years in various different forms, progressing from those cowrie shells to precious metals, to minted coins, to paper money, to plastic cards, right? Uh, but the transfer of modern money is slow and expensive for both the merchants and the consumers. And well, especially if you're going across borders, well, payments are becoming more and more increasingly mobile and that's why MobiPay, M-O-B-I-E-P-A-Y dot I-O, why their ecosystem consists of three core applications that let users spend and send money, digital currency worldwide, from their mobile phone in seconds, even if they don't have a bank account. It also supports cashback programs on purchases with MobiCoin. And uh, it is, has this real global retail marketplace where everybody in the Mobi ecosystem can win. So they have this nice, rewarding loyalty program as well so go check it out uh, you're going to hear more and more about it we think this could be one of those platforms that increases the mass adoption around the world mobipay m-o-b-i-e-p-a-y.io fantastic and we are not financial advisors but we are advisors with mobipay that's true 
Oh, we don't advise them financially. We advise them on market market actually all that good stuff. Okay, speaking of good stuff, got another great interview for you. This guy, Matt Finlayson, is the head of product at Invictus Capital. They created the Crypto 20 Fund. It's the first tokenized crypto asset index fund launched in 2017. So let's do this. Blockchain, so very disruptive. It is, you know, and part of the financial sector that it's disrupting is the asset management industry. And with us today, we have the head of product at Invictus Capital. They're a blockchain-based asset management group co-founded by Matthew Finlayson. Finlayson. Fin- I can't, damn it. Why can't I get your name right? Finlayson. Finlayson. Right, That's correct. Mm, nailed it on the fifth try. Welcome to Bad Crypto, sir. Hey, guys. Uh, nice to be in. Finlayson, 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 Finlayson. There, I got it. I got it now. Yeah. We're going to leave that in, though, because I like when mistakes are in there. We're, we're glad you're here. You are the blockchain engineer responsible for all the blockchain-related work needed for Crypto20. It's the first tokenized crypto asset index fund that was launched in 2017. And also, you've got an honors degree in mechatronics, me- mechatronics engineering. Is that how you pronounce that? Yeah, that's, that's correct. It's a robotic engineering, basically. I'm just going to call you Mechatronic Finlayson uh, at the University of Cape Town. <laughs> and you've got a background in data science and finance. And that was a good one. Yeah, Trev? That was, that was not bad. You finally had a funny joke. That's good. Yeah. Mechatronic Finlayson. So before we get into this, maybe tell us a little bit about uh, Invictus Capital and what you guys are trying to accomplish over there. Sure. So, um, you know, as you guys mentioned, Crypto20 was the first fund we launched back in 2017. And, you know, it was kind of addressing the market need of looking to gain exposure to crypto assets. And that was a, a pretty big success. And we raised uh, $40 million to, to seed the fund that it's been running ever since. And basically off the back of that, we launched Invictus Capital as kind of an umbrella company uh, under which we can launch additional funds. Um, and the main product that we have is an asset management platform that we've built out to service our funds. Um, and this is very much a blockchain-based asset management platform, and it's what we've used to launch the four funds we have to date. Uh, everything from you know crypto index funds to margin lending, interest earning funds to we even have a venture capital fund and property and some other exciting stuff are, are on the horizon. Um, and basically, what we're aiming to do uh, is be the next evolution of asset management. You know, similar to what N26 and Revolut have done to banking, uh, we're looking to do to asset management in general using blockchain tech. Uh, as we find that it's an industry rife for disruption or ready for disruption rather. Yeah, we're going to disrupt all the things. Uh, I haven't looked it up yet, but obviously Invictus is a Latin word. What does it mean? I don't know if it is a Latin word, to be honest. <laughs> really? It sounds like a Latin word. All right, we're, we're going to do some uh, Googling on the fly right here. Uh, Invictus is a short Victorian poem by the English poet William Ernest Henley. It was written in 1875, published in 1888 in his first book of poems, book of verses, in the section Life and Death. Okay, so now we know what Invictus is, and we will have a link to the Wikipedia, which is invariably accurate because, duh, Wikipedia always is accurate in the uh, in the show notes. So tell us, who is this um, your manage, asset management platform for? Sure. So uh, at the moment, the vast majority of our users are uh, normal, everyday investors, I guess. And we've got 15,000 people invested in our funds from across the globe. 
Um, and that's across the four funds we have, uh, which are, you know, as I said, crypto crypto index funds. But, you know, basically we're looking to launch um, any, we're an alternative asset management platform. So alternative investments are a forte. So, you know, more interesting types than the, the bland S&P 500 uh, types of investments people, people get access to. Um, so, yeah, I'd say our products are, are mainly for discerning investors looking for an alternative allocation as part of their investment portfolio. Um, and additionally, we're increasingly moving into the more traditional management space uh, where asset managers themselves would use our platform to launch their own funds. And we've got a few partnerships in the, in the pipeline to launch other people's funds on our platform. Um, and that's the end goal, basically, to be a, a platform upon which funds can be launched that you know, have all the benefits of blockchain tech. Um, as well as being for the benefit of, you know, the end investor who now has access to very interesting, cool fund types that are, you know, much more transparently uh, and cost effectively run. So would you say that you're, you're kind of creating maybe sort of a blockchain platform to launch things like the S&P 500 and other types of, of, of funds? Is that is that the main goal? So, so potentially, I mean, as I've said, our focus is, is definitely on alternative investment uh, offerings. So margin lending, venture capital, property funds, um, those kind of more interesting fund types, you know, of which crypto is a good example. Um, but the, the platform itself is pretty agnostic to what kind of fund you can run on it. It just replaces the traditional processes that are, you know, very inefficient and you know, have a very high friction. Um, and theoretically, you could run an S&P 500 on it. Uh, our current plans are to focus on alternative assets, though. Uh, okay, that's right. so we can, maybe, we can maybe create our own bad crypto fund, let's just say. And every crypto project that's ever been on our show, we could put them in a fund and call it the bad crypto 300 or whatever it is. And then that could be an ongoing sort of thing. We could, our, our, is, that, is that what you're saying? We can basically, people can create their own funds? Absolutely. So that, that, that could happen with you. If you did have a bad crypto fund, it would be able to be run on our platform. Um, at the moment, you know, we're using our own funds on the platform and we're only opening it up to select few partnerships. But if you had very good motivations for why your fund would be wildly successful or was a good product, we could definitely have a discussion around that. Well, we don't have good motivation. We should, have the bad, <laughs> we should have the bad coin fund, but then, you know, you lost there the last part, so there won't be a bad coin fund. Well, we want to call it bad, bad assets, and these are like just the shittiest ones that we can find. We want to put them in a fund, and that's badass. Well, you would just short that fund. We could just right? do the opposite of what you guys wanted to do. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's usually a winning strategy no matter what we do. That's good. Yeah. I'm looking at the uh, light paper for Crypto 10 that is linked here in the show notes. Uh, so what is, what, are, what is this? I'm looking at some complicated algorithms here for uh, this hedge fund. Sure. So the the Crypto Ten hedged fund is a is a passive index fund with a, a unique twist that protects investor capital. Um, and I should explain kind of the the approach to take to all the funds we've launched on our platform that that we manage ourselves uh, is very much one of you know a data science scientific process. And you'll see the light paper uh, outlines the approach we take to determining the fund parameters. So in the case of Crypto Ten hedged, uh, what we're optimizing for is uh, return versus risk, basically. And the fund consists of two parts. Uh, one is a top 10 crypto assets that are capped at 15% each. And the other part is a cash component of the fund. Um, and then we have uh, an algorithm that's you know, predetermined by our back tests. Uh, and back tests are when you basically simulate a whole bunch of different fund parameters 
through lots of different time series uh, of, of pricing data, and you come out with a, a fun strategy that's in line with what you're looking for. Uh, and so these back tests show that the top 10 uh, capped at 15% with a cash allocation strategy uh, that allocates some cash uh, from the crypto to the cash part when the market's going down and the reverse when the markets are going up. Um, and in that way, it hedges out a negative market movement uh, with the ultimate goal basically of preserving capital in times of declining markets or downward trending markets uh, while still having you know, good exposure to the top 10 cryptos you know, throughout, and especially when markets are on the increase again, less less capital is allocated to cash and more of it's allocated to, to the crypto. So much math. I mean, who's the genius, the rocket scientist over there that comes up with this formula? And how do you know that, the you know, this formula is going to stand the test of time? It just, it looks like a bunch of, you know, letters and symbols to me. Sure. So, I mean, despite us being a fintech company, at, at least half of the people working at Invictus, myself included, uh, all have engineering or data science or you know scientific backgrounds. Um, so it's very much a collective effort, and we've got our own in-house data science team that does a lot of this kind of analysis work for us. And it's a very good question asking about you know what makes us be sure that this is what's going to happen in the future. Uh, and the honest answer is that you know nobody can predict the future. And, and despite many very prominent you know crypto persons you know always making claims about what's going to happen in the future, you know at the end of the day nobody knows. So all we can do is make a, a very educated guess based on what, ha what has happened in the past uh, and what we think is likely to happen going forward. Um, so the, you do take some assumptions, I guess, is what I'm saying, uh, you know, in coming up with the fund constructs using a data science methodology. Uh, but generally, that is substantially better than how it is done in traditional finance, where there isn't any kind of underlying you know, research approach to creating a fund. A lot of it is more of a thumb suck. Uh, and certainly when it comes to actively actively managed funds, you know, that is even more the case where it's a single person or a team of people deciding what to buy or what to invest in. Um, our approach is just to come up with passive rule sets uh, that we think are likely to work based on the, you know, thorough analysis we've done. Uh, but once that rule set is determined, no one revises it unless the, you know, fundamentals of the data set have changed. So no one's making decisions to buy this or buy that. And, you know, that allows our funds to be way more efficient uh, than their active counterparts. So, so basically, what happens is if I, if somebody who's listening wanted to invest in your crypto ten fund, basically we just put some money in there, and, and you're managing, you guys are managing all that with your algorithms and your fancy maths, right? Sure. I'd and say, I don't want to put money in and say boom, and then kind of set it and forget it. Is that is that kind of what right. happens? Is I was like I throw a thousand dollars in and in yes. the fund and, and let you guys work your magic. So so that's what we're aiming to do. And if you look at you know traditional markets, the advice is always to invest in a passive index product um, and then just leave and forget it. And we're looking, or we have done the same for for the crypto space. Uh, we will want we want simple investment products for our end users uh, that they can just buy in once. Uh, and then basically forget about it, and the fund will operate itself in accordance with whatever its mandate is. Uh, and I should point out, we also obviously offer you know funds in addition to just pure crypto, uh, crypto exposed right. fund. Okay, that's great. Now look, tell us how how the margin lending fund works because I don't know that a lot of people maybe really understand margin, how that works for them, and and shorting and all that other stuff. Is are all of those things available within your fund and your platform? Sure. So, so the way our platform works, right, I mean, you can sign up, create an account, you go through our KYC process, and then you simply choose which fund it is that you want to invest in. Um, and because our funds are, are blockchain based, all of that's kind of transparently viewable on the Ethereum blockchain. 
and you'll get your own crypto token, which represents your share of the underlying funds. Um, and we offer you know, pretty unique liquidity functionality where you're able to exit the fund uh, within an hour or within a day, depending on the particular fund. Um, to explain how the margin lending fund works specifically, uh, you kind of have to look at you know, what margin lending is. Um, and it's definitely a, a, an area within the crypto economy that's been growing massively over the past year. Uh, and what margin lending allows for is you know, trading on margin lending exchanges. So the way the fund would work is that we would take the accumulated dollars contributed by investors into the fund, and we would put those dollars up uh, to be lent out on crypto margin lending exchanges, uh, such as Liquid or Binance or, or Bitfinex is a very popular one as well. Um, traders then take the loans, those dollar loans, uh, and pay interest on those dollar loans. Uh, and those dollar loans are what provides them with leverage to, to do their trading. And the exchange manages the risk of, uh, you know, those traders becoming unprofitable and, you know, automatically repaying their loans and all of that. So from the funds perspective, we're loaning dollars out to individual peer-to-peer, -peer, basically individuals all around the world using these margin lending platforms. And in return for loaning out these dollar-based assets or dollars themselves, we get generally very high interest rates uh, on the amounts that are being lent out. Um, and traditionally, these kind of interest rates and margin lending, uh, you know, in general, has only been accessible to very big institutional investors uh, or institutional players. So this is really the first time uh, that individuals can gain access to these kinds of large interest rates. Uh, and in us manage and in in us managing that fund, sorry, uh, we're aiming to capture as high an interest rate as possible uh, to get those kind of stable returns for for our investors. And at the moment. Our uh, interest return to date has been in the region of 11% per annum, uh, which is crazy when you compare it to the likes of, you know, Robinhood's uh, high interest yield account, which gives 2% uh, per annum, or many banks which yeah. give 0, 0.01% per annum on dollars. Yeah, we, we like high interest rates. That's cool. Well, uh, Matt, we appreciate the info. As we uh, close out, let's project to the future. You know, do you see massive competition in this space, you know, and glad that you guys are early to the game, or is this going to be a very selective type of niche market? No, I think there's definitely going to be, I wouldn't say necessarily competition at this stage, given that the adoption of blockchain tech is, is, is still relatively early, but the potential for the application of this kind of technology, uh, especially to asset management, is massive. And, you know, I totally expect to see more things being tokenized or, you know, more companies listing equity in token forms. Uh, as well as platforms such as ourselves that make use of this new technology to kind of change the way that things have traditionally been done. Um, and I say that just because what we've seen over the two years of us you know, running is that the operational efficiencies and improvements in process we have using this kind of technology compared to tr traditional asset management uh, is really unbelievable. And you're really not able to, to tap into these gains without making use of, of, of you know, blockchain tech, or you're not able to disintermediate the industry to the same extent without using this technology. So for sure, we think adoption is going to only increase. Uh, yeah, and we feel pretty comfortable, as you said, you know, being an early player in the space uh, with the head start we've gotten, the experience we've gained over the past two years. We only, we only expect uh, you know, more and more people to come on board and more and more asset managers becoming interested in the technology that we use. Oh, that's great. I have a question then about your, about your team. So you got Daniel Schwarzkopf and Luke Schwarzkopf, who are two also co-founders. Are they related to the Storm and Norman General Schwarzkopf? Uh, I don't believe so. <laughs> I can I can follow like up. Like a with famous that. U.S. Uh, United States Army General. I, I Desert Storm that. reference there. 
Yeah, you don't always see too many Schwarzkopf's out there, so. No, you don't. I they yeah, I'm pretty sure they're not related to the US general though. What about Arnold Schwarzenegger? Are they related to him? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I don't think that's <laughs> or the Schwartzes, you know, or the, yeah. maybe the Schwartz. Do I don't know. They probably do use the Schwartz. If the Schwartz be with you. You're you're a co-founder. Did you name it Invictus or was that your partner that named it? Because you didn't, you know, you didn't seem to know uh if it was Latin or not. And I'm wondering if he said, We're gonna call it Invictus. <laughs> I'm definitely gonna get a lot of flack for for having to Google the uh, well, origin of the word Invictus. I um, know I know why now. <laughs> um, I've I've read the poem. And in fact, we're it gonna do a poem. From the, it stems from the poem though. Uh, yeah, yeah, we're gonna cool do poem. I definitely recommend that you read it. We're going to do a poetry um, reading right now. I'm, I'm going to oh, read okay. it right now. I Here we it. go. In your best poetry voice. Yeah, yeah. Gather around, children, for a <laughs> poem. This is Invictus by William Ernest Henley. <clears throat> Out of the night that covers me, black as the pit from pole to pole, I thank whatever gods may be for my unconquerable soul. In the fell clutch of circumstance, I have not winced nor cried aloud. Under the bludgeonings of chance, my head is bloody, but unbowed. Beyond this place of wrath and tears looms but the horror of the shade, and yet the menace of the years finds and shall find me unafraid. It matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishments the scroll. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul so there you go mm, my captain my captain Very nice. yeah it, captain of the soul this is uh, you know so somebody investing in invictus feels like they've got control of their density and their destiny all those things. so great very fascinating i think this is interesting to keep an eye on and you know you guys are, are creating this platform that you know are hoping to you know revolutionize asset management and you guys are what? You guys are available in how many countries? Uh, globally, everywhere except the U.S., Cayman Islands, and South Africa. Nice. That's that's great. Everywhere except America. Great job, America. Yeah, sorry, sorry about that. <laughs> Most yeah. excellent, Matt Mechatronic Finlayson. Finlayson, fin, the Finlayson. dude that's whose whose last name starts with F. InvictusCapital.com is a site. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me, guys. Told you guys, when I say we got great content for you, it's because we mean it. We like to deliver the best, and we have a ton of really good stuff coming your way. We've recently interviewed Miko Matsumura from Evercoin once again, and uh, he's going to be joining us. We've got, uh, let's see, who do we have here? We've got Samantha Radokia coming up in the show, wrote that great book about Bitcoin pizza. We're going to be going live in the Crypto Coin Trader group for our next Bad News episode. That's going to take place on Thursday and much more content to come your way. Very exciting. Yeah, you know what? We've had a lot of opportunities to chat with amazing people and more and more amazing people keep wanting to talk with us. So it's it's a surprise that people like to talk with us because we're so bad. Now, speaking of bad, great segue to bad coin. We have a bad coin update for you all. If you held bad coin on BitShares and you haven't done your coin swap to the new bad chain yet, then you better hurry up and do it. December 31st, 2019, you will no longer be able to swap your bad coin from the BitShares platform to the new bad coin chain go to badcoin 
bitshares.net and click on the swap. Now, if you don't have your BitShares key, we can't help you. You, you know, if you've lost your keys, that's down with you. But if um, you're able to swap them out and get the new bad coin, then this is your warning. This is the two minute warning, even though it's like more like a two month warning. Well, it's actually do it. That's right. Bitch airs. You need to listen. And uh, you got to we're going to we're just going to close that loop right there. And we've had a lot. I think, a, you know, a vast majority of folks have gone through and they've swapped their bad coin. If you've not done it yet. You're just a procrastinator. And if you procrastinate past December 31st, we're just going to laugh at you. <laughs> I, I'm just going to laugh at you, Travis. Okay. Can, can can you be the proxy person I laugh at? I don't want to laugh at our listeners. I'm going to laugh at whoever messages us on June or July or January or any month that starts with J after two, in 2020 and says, hey, I, I forgot to swap my bad coin. We said, oh, you only had eight months to do it. Yeah, but you can go mine it, right? We've got hundreds of people that are mining bad coin. Uh, you know, if, if you can't mine Bitcoin, and most of you can because you don't have the gear for it, I know I don't, then go mine bad coin. Go to badcoin.net, follow the easy instructions to download a wallet and set up a miner. And if you've got your PC or your Mac, whatever's sitting around, uh, the older the better. And go try it. You'll find that it's fun. And when you start seeing Badcoin come into your wallet, you'll be like, damn, I'm mining the cryptos. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And we have another development. There's a, a group that's helping us with the foundation, which it's not going to be called a foundation, Mr. Joe Com. It is the what's going to be it's called? It's going to be called the Badcoin Asset Development Association. Badass. <laughs> Which is perfect. We're going to have <laughs> the best foundation in the world. It's going to be badass helping all of you to stay bad. Who's bad? The Bad Crypto Podcast is a production of Bad Crypto LLC. The content of the show, the videos, and the website is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. It's not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice of any kind. You shouldn't make any decisions as to finances, investing, trading, or anything else based on this information without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional financial advisor. Please understand that the trading of Bitcoin's and alternative cryptocurrencies have potential risks involved. Anyone wishing to invest in any of the currencies or tokens mentioned on this podcast should first seek their own independent professional financial advisor.